All your base are belong to us. And welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. Uh, I'm Missy. I'm a writer. And I did not have... I had time to do things, but I didn't finish anything. I did a lot of like revisiting things. Like You don't need to hear me talk about Life is Strange and Renfield again. Sometimes we just need to embrace the comfortable or well, the um, like cozy. Well, like, the thing is that my roommate had not seen Renfield and had not played Life is Strange. Well, those are important things. So we had to do those together so that when I'm in New Orleans in the next few days, I can send pictures and say, look, it's just like Renfield. (laughs) (laughs) And then we can go uh, into the, into, like, the forest and be like, look, it's just like Twilight. Life is Strange in Twilight. Yeah. Because Life is Strange is an organ, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when I was in San Francisco... I didn't do it, but I was everywhere I was driving around, I was like, look, is this like Venom? It's just like Venom. <laughs> when I was driving through um, the OC and Riverside, I was like, where's Julie Cooper? <laughs> um, you have to introduce yourself. Oh, I'm married. And I burped. Um, <laughs> I did more than Missy. You did? I did. So you get to start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. 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 Let's I, go. Let's go. I watched the documentary about Waco on Netflix. Um, if you don't know what Waco is, Waco is the story of a man who thought he was God or a prophet or, or like the reincarnation of Jesus, you know, about all those things. He bought a property in Texas in Waco and essentially started, a, well, he did start a cult and it was like a commune type thing. And, um, it became a situation where they had a lot of, guns like military guns they were finding the um law enforcement was finding this stuff and they decided well before something happens we should get them like we should we should um what's it called get their ass get their ass a raid we should raid them and make sure we take all these things was that the best decision the answer is no it wasn't the best decision um do i think that they were violent no do i think they were still dangerous yeah um, the, the issue that I think what really pushed them over the edge, which is a reason to raid them, is, um, sexual abuse of minors. Mm-hmm. He was marrying and having sex with minors. Um, and, and like you couldn't, like, one of the things I had, I had watched, um, a docuseries, uh, like a, a movie. No, it's a TV show, like a limited TV show on Netflix about Waco, but I hadn't watched like an actual documentary about it. So this was the first one. And when he, he would make it so like women would have to be married to him despite being, having like other husbands and they weren't allowed to be with their husbands. They had to be with him. So like everything was with him. Um, it was really interesting because they talked to some of the people that got out. Um, and there was one woman who still clearly believed a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she knows what happened. Um, and I'll get into it in a second, but she like knows all the bad things that happened, but she talks. I kind of realized that she real silly, like she kind of believed all this stuff when she was talking about when she finally was able to have sex with, with him. Um, she said it was her way of talking to God mm-hmm. and it was. And I think like that's, not to bash any religion, but, but like, that's a great way to tell someone, like, to tell someone to, like, have sex with you, essentially, mm-hmm. who's really devout. And she still believed that. And I think, at least that was the, the, what I got out of it. And I thought that was really interesting. So anyways, the police are like, we need to raid this place. They got mostly guns, which I'm pretty sure is what they were most worried about. And then they used the miners as a, as an actual reason. Cause of course, um, and when they went in to go raid them, lo and behold, they fought back mm-hmm. and they killed so many people. But on both sides, they killed so many people and uh, they were able to negotiate getting children out and a few women, um, but they did not get all the women out and they get, definitely didn't get all the children out. A lot of them. Um, and it was like days and days of fighting and guns and like all this horrible stuff. And <laughs> spoilers for the end. Spoilers for real life. <laughs> spoilers for real life. I think we actually have an episode title that is documentaries or spoilers for real life. It's true. Um. Anyway, so they, after a few days, I think, might have been a whole week, uh, this was like a big story. Uh, they put tear gas, I believe it was, into the house. Like, they literally rammed a, a tank that had tear gas instead of, like, ammo coming out of the front little thing. And uh, whether or not that caused the house to go f- on fire, 
no one really knows. I would imagine it's probably some type of both situation of like we're gonna be martyrs. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's I would imagine my tin ho- tin hat was that a fire broke out and they said, Well, let's just do the whole thing. And everyone died who was left in there. When did this happen? I think the eighties. Let me look. For some reason I feel like I have a vague memory of this happening, but it might have been before I was born. <laughs> I don't th- I don't think it was before you were born. But it could have been another cult thing, because I think I I think we were both alive for the Jamestown. Yes. Waco siege happened nineteen ninety three. Oh okay. Yeah, it would make sense if you did. Um but yeah, it was really sad. It was really interesting. Um it's just it, I love a good like I like cult documentaries, but there's so many of them that some a lot of them are just like not good. This was a good one. Um it was really sad. A lot of these kids never got their parents back. And they were talking about how one woman was talking about how when she finally got back to her son, they were keeping this, this, this area where like all the kids were. And according to some of the people who were there, the people who were watching these children were like badgering the kids, like your parents are bad. You're stupid, which, cause you haven't been educated, cause education wasn't allowed besides the Bible. And like, it was just like a bad situation all around. Like, the police weren't good at what they did. The FBI wasn't good at what they did. Um, one of the things they talked about that was really interesting is they had a guy who his whole job was a uh, military negotiation. And eventually the FBI, I think, was like, uh, we have like another assignment for you. Like, you got to go do that. He's like, what do you mean? I've been talking to this guy on the phone for like days. I finally get him to try. Like, no, we need some. They got him out because they were sick of doing that. And oh they just God. wanted to use violence. And that's dumb. And it was really interesting to hear his point of view because he was like, I finally got him to trust me. And then they took me away. And it's because they wanted to go in with violence. Mm -hmm. And they didn't believe what he was doing was working because they didn't understand it. Because cops are dumb. So sorry. Not sorry. (laughs) Uh, But it's true, though. They wanted to go. They're like, oh, this isn't working. Violence is what's going to work. And yeah, it didn't. One of those situations where to a hammer, every problem is a nail. Yes. So it was just, it was, I don't uh, know if that's the correct saying, but you get the gist. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's, it's really, it is really frustrating. Like I got that, like when you're doing something that maybe not everybody understands, like um, talking about like emotional abuse to somebody who doesn't understand that you can be emotionally abused, like Mm -hmm. why don't you just leave? Well, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's difficult to explain it to you when you don't have the capacity to understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. These people didn't seem like they had the capacity to understand that you could talk with this crazy person and still like and and like negotiate people out and which is what he did he was successful in negotiating children and, and women out so it was really really good i really loved it um it was really sad and uh cults are bad true uh, don't join one true yeah um, I read The Will to Change by Bell Hooks. I started reading this for the Magic Mike episode. Um, and it was, it's a great, great book. It was just, I had so many sources for that. I had to cut some. Um, so The Will to Change is part, uh, Bell Hooks writes a lot about love. Um, and about the importance of love. And that's not just romantic love. It's the concept of love in general. I, Mary and I went <laughs> to like, we went to some local bookstores and I was buying another of Bell Hooks's uh, books about love, the one that's just all about love. And the bookstore, the person working at the bookstore was like, oh, you know, this is such a good book. And then we were just talking about how great love is. And that's why independent bookstores are great. And also Bell Hooks. So anyway, The Will to Change is specifically about um, masculinity and men and how patriarchy hurts men. And uh, Bell Hooks is just really, really good. As I've talked about, I've talked about before, like recently, even the fact that like feminism to me includes men. And I, I'm not down with feminism that hates men. And that talks about like, kill all men. I'm just not I'm not down with that. I never have been. It makes me really uncomfortable, especially and I talked again, talked about this super recently. As a white woman, it makes me uncomfortable to take a position of kill all men. Because Mm -hmm. like, again, black people, black men, have been murdered because of the words of women like me you know yeah most most famous Emmett Till yeah like I'm just really really uncomfortable with that and I'm really uncomfortable with that rhetoric rhetoric specifically from white women 
Um, as trans men are men. Yeah. As a, as a white woman, like I'm just really uncomfortable with that. I've never been, I've never been okay with it. I don't believe in female superiority. I don't believe women are inherently better than men. You're a misogynist. (laughs) I think that my, my vision of utopia is not a matriarchy. It's, you know, a situation in which men and women and people of all, all genders are equal, not one is better than the other. I don't believe that matriarchy would fix the world. Um, and Bell, this book, The Will to Change, is really about how patriarchy affects men and the depths to which it affects men and how hard it is to love men despite that and how necessary it is to love men. Like, not not for an individual like she's she's not out here arguing that you know you have to love all men (laughs) she's not preaching love all men it's it's more so that we have to understand that like as much as much as individuals are responsible for their own behavior we have to understand that men do face some level of difficulty with regard to like being coached not to even experience emotion like there's like like she talks about rage being an emotion that uh, rage and anger are emotion the like the only emotion that men are encouraged to feel the only emotion that they're allowed to express and how damaging that is for for people of all genders like it's it's dangerous for women when men can only express rage but it's also dangerous for men mm-hmm. and it limits their experience of like the full spectrum of humanity and that's deeply sad and that's why men should be included in our vision of feminism she talks about how um the experience of being a single mother can cause women to buy even more into patriarchy and raise really patriarchal sons she talks about how even feminist women can can buy into patriarchy when it comes to how they raise their sons like it's it's really really eye opening and it's it sounds like it sounds I think to the outside it sounds critical but this is again Bell Hooks is like has this whole thing about love like this is a deeply loving book this is a challenging book that asks you to look at men with compassion and with empathy and challenges you know you to be really inclusive in your feminism and fight against um the idea that women are like perfect creatures incapable of doing harm and how patriarchy affects men Mm -hmm. i think every man like every person assigned male at birth deserves to receive this book (laughs) at birth at birth and their parents should read it as well like this is this is a really really incredible book i highly 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 recommend it it's just like (laughs) And I, again, I've talked about this before. This is no, this is no secret for me. I just, I'm a feminist and I sometimes am uncomfortable to the, de- with the degree to which pop feminism denies men a space. And I think there's a difference between that and like, I've made jokes before about like, oh, let me guess, he's a male feminist, which like, I stand by that. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of trust for men who identify themselves to me as like I'm a feminist. I'm it's like like the, I'm a good guy. Why do you like why do you feel the need to introduce yourself that way to me, you know? Um <laughs> but I would not like I believe men are part of feminism as well. They don't necessarily deserve accolades for participating in it. Yeah. But I wouldn't deny access to feminism to men. Um I think by like denying them access like isn't productive and like getting there yeah like i said my my utopic vision of the world includes men um and yeah it's it's just really really good like it's really really good i highly recommend it um regardless of like you know how you feel about men as a whole i just find it to be like profoundly empathetic and loving and bell hooks just hits it out of the park like She's just fantastic. There's a, there's a reason. She's also really readable. Like this isn't a kind of Judith Butler situation where you <laughs> you really got to put your thinking cap on. Um Bell Hooks is a straightforward writer. She's a clear writer. She's not obfuscating in academic language. Like very very readable, very accessible. Um just absolutely worth giving a shot. Um, I picked up All About Love. I haven't read it yet, and I probably won't read it for like a year, just given the length of my (laughs) to read. 
shelf. It's like his own library. It is its own little library, and I have no regrets. Um, but but we'll talk about that one when I get there. But um, yeah, it's a really lovely book. I highly recommend it. My library had it. Um, your library probably has it. Hopefully. Yeah, I just I really really recommend it to everybody, especially if you listen to this podcast. I feel like you're you're if it's right up your alley yeah and i feel like if you're if you hear me say things like my you know my utopic vision of the world is not a matriarchy and you're like why not i think this book is going to help explain that and like my feelings about like not feeling good about saying things like kill all men i think that this book these are things that i have felt but not been able to express quite as clearly and then i read the will to change and i'm like oh you get it yeah you get it you you're explaining exactly how i feel in a way that isn't as like mired in online bullshit as I feel it, you know? Yeah, it's easy to say like kill all men, but like also you and I are both married to men. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, your grandpa's great. Uh, you know, I'm my my father, I, I, I like, like, but there are men in our lives. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like the men in our lives are not free of patriarchy, but that having those men in our lives and like seeing the ways that patriarchy affects them i think even clues us in further to how harmful patriarchy is yeah it's really harmful when things like my dad can't even hear the word ovaries without freaking out yeah that's weird that's weird and like the the like struggle with expressing emotion yeah like i see stuff like that and it and it it hurts me like you know what i mean like yeah. i'm like i want you to i want you to be able to express you're seeing feel. a struggle they're not even understanding exactly yeah. exactly and that's like uh like, it hurts it hurts me to think that our culture stifles that it's too nice and like the you know like suicide rates among men are so it's just it's so fucking sad and so upsetting and that's why i loved this book because of like the degree of empathy she has even as she's like my father you know, was so cold and harmful to me as a child. And like my previous lovers were, were cold and harmful and did harm to me. But like, I see where that comes from. Yeah. And, and it's a fucking tragedy that our culture encourages this behavior and denies men healthy outlets for these feelings based on patriarchy. Like mm-hmm. this book is so profoundly empathetic and I just, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Just really, yeah. really lovely. I think it would be really difficult, which sounds like that she does of balancing the, um, what they did is bad. Yeah. For a reason. And that like a lot of people will see that like, Oh, it's an excuse or things like that. And like, I understand where that like knee jerk reaction of, like it doesn't matter why they still did it yeah but but like on an academic level yeah i think she threads the needle perfectly like it's it's just really really good i highly recommend it whether you've struggled with this idea in the past or whether you you already are on board with it like just let let this book wash over you it's so good like just really 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 good so did you like it i did like it (laughs) i think it's really good i think bell hooks was just an amazing amazing writer amazing philosopher just what a fucking loss to the world i think she she, died last uh 2021 she passed away um and i remember when she passed away there was like this tweet going around that was like i know a lot of people today are feeling like oh i should have gotten into bell hooks you know before she passed away and everybody's like no 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 you have the opportunity now like it it, you know, it's terrible that she that she's dead and we've lost such a critical voice. But like you have such profoundly beautiful writing ahead of you. Like don't you can start now. You don't have to feel bad about yeah. it. Um, and I highly again, highly recommend she's she's easy to read. She's not like obfuscating, just like really good, approachable um, philosophy, like just good shit. good shit, that good shit make you don't quit. Yep. That's what Ariana Grande was talking about was Bell Hooks. Honestly, I would believe that Ariana Grande read Bell Hooks. Yeah. I would believe it. I could see that. She plays Pokemon, so. <laughs> we all know those are the same thing. <laughs> Playing Pokemon, reading Bell Hooks. Uh, on a different note, I, wa- I, listen- I read a book called The Playlist, which was not good. <laughs> uh, it was- okay, here's the thing. Okay, so The Playlist is by Morgan Elizabeth. And um, I originally screenshot the um the summary of this book to send missy to laugh because 
Um, I thought it was ridiculous. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not tell you yet until I'm gonna give a little build up. I thought it was ridiculous. And then I saw some people talking about it and I was like, God damn it, I wanna read it now. <laughs> so, um, the book is called The Playlist and it's, uh, everything is based off of Taylor Swift songs, <laughs> which is silly. And I was like, that's silly. But I saw a lot of people being like, this is so much fun. Um, they're like, the spice is really good. Blah, blah, to be, blah, blah. to be fair to the premise of this book, I, after folklore came out, and I still want to do this, it's on my list of projects. I want to write a zine in which remember, yeah. each, each song inspires a short story. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Um, this was not that. <laughs> <laughs> this was a person who was, so felt like an insert of somebody who was obsessed with Taylor Swift. Um, so the story goes, this woman who's like, I think she's, uh, she's like seven years younger than him. I think he's like 31. I don't know. She's like in her early to mid twenties. And, um, she goes home. She has like a good job, a boring boyfriend. And she, in like New York, she goes home to visit family. She finds a, a box of her and her best friends, like old stuff, including mash, which if you've ever played mash, it's like tells you your life in the future, like who you're going to marry, how many kids, what you're going to live, things like that. And she kind of has this like crisis of like, my life is nothing like what I wanted it to be. She quits her job. She moves back home and is like, I need to create a new life. Unfortunately, her I need to create a new life was just finding the same job somewhere else. And so (laughs) her best friend and her dad, dad were like, we got to make her stay, essentially. And they also knew that her best friend's brother, another reason why I wanted to read this, was definitely in love with her. And they're like, she's single and you're single. It's time. And the dad was like, you're taking a week off and taking my daughter to do something. And he's like, what? He's like, you're not allowed to work. Go. You have to take her. So he ends up taking her um, on this trip. Oh, important. One of the things in... The box was also a, a playlist of songs that she wants, like, to be the playlist of her life and, like, things happen. So, like, Kissing in the Rain. Um, I don't know. Things that Taylor Swift talks about in her songs. Um, so, it starts with him, like, throwing rocks at her window. Um, they go on a road trip. And he's just like, she's like, what is happening? Because she liked him when she was younger. And some stuff happened. And... They just never got together, essentially. And she's like, what are you like? What are you like? Why is this happening? He's like, just let it happen. Just let it happen. And so he uses the this list and everything and to like try to make her fall in love. And she's like, he's like, just just go with it. Just don't even think about the outside world and just go with it. And it's really cute. And they go to Disneyland. I'm like, this was a book made for me. But it's so long. <laughs> and it's so corny at times. I can't <laughs> like. It was so corny. I like it was. I'm trying to think. It's been a while since I've read it. But like, um, what are some other things? I don't know. And it's written recently because there's um, midnight songs on there. Fuck. Yeah, there's midnight songs on there. Um, And so I think they go in like the midnight rain. um, Stuff like that. I can't remember all the others. And it was just like, I understand. Like, it'd be real. Like, this is a fun premise but it really just feels like taylor swift fan fiction mm-hmm. not about taylor swift but like this it's somebody's somebody's song fic yeah exactly and i just think she needed to pull it back a little bit more just pull it back a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't need to be that long so i was kind of i, I wasn't kind of i was disappointed in this book Bummer. um i don't care when books like this are predictable actually sometimes it's nice because i won't have anxiety which i easily get sometimes when reading um and this was one where like clearly you knew what was i mean you knew what was gonna happen um but predictability doesn't have to be a bad thing yeah because sometimes knowing where something is going makes how you get there more fun yeah yeah and it makes me uh, like i don't need to stress like i hate I hate the third act breakup, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's just like, I'll read it, whatever. But um, I have to be in the mood for it. Anyways, it just, it could have been there, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. And her next book coming out is called Cruel Summer. She clearly got a lot of like, she has, so, this is like the third book in this series. And I think that she got like a lot of, this was, I think this was the most popular one. And so I think she's running with that. Yeah. And like, and like, good for her. Get her money. Mm-hmm. Get your money. Cruel Summer. You're going to do another Taylor Swift one. This is the time. This is the time. If you could, which Taylor Swift song do you think would be the best romance novel? Do, okay, so the the best romance novel and like it ends happily. It doesn't have to. Which ro- if which if Taylor Swift song inspired a romance novel, which song would you want to read a book of? 
Hmm. I gotta think for a second. This is... Talk about your next thing and I'll think. Okay. But anyways, the book wasn't good. I don't suggest it. <laughs> Get dunked on. I I'm just kidding. Wasn't. I haven't read this book. I, I have just, no opinion I can it. read a lot of things. I can read a lot of corny shit. And this was just... It didn't hit for me. Didn't the writing wasn't very good. Like, there's... there. I mean, she's self-published. Yeah. Um. So, and like, there's errors which i'm not good at finding those things so if i'm seeing there's probably a lot more um anyways it just i was really disappointed Bummer. and i knew it was going to be corny yeah <laughs> i mean there's nothing wrong with with being corny it was beyond but but you know what that kind of that kind of tracks because one of the taylor things, swift's fucking corny well that's the thing is one of the things that taylor swift has always said is embrace the cringe mm-hmm. embrace it and let me tell you they did <laughs> Um, I watch King of Staten Island, which is a semi-autobiographical uh, film starring Pete Davidson, written by a few people, including Pete Davidson, directed by Judd Apatow. It is every bit the Judd Apatow movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's too long. It's too fucking long. Um, but it was pretty good. So this movie is about Pete Davidson playing a character named Scott, whose father was a firefighter and who died rushing into a building um, to save people, uh, Scott is 24 and totally aimless in life. He dropped out of high school. He's clearly, he clearly did not deal well with the death of his father and has not dealt with it. So he's just really spinning his wheels while his sister, uh, played by Maud Apatow, who now is fully an adult, which is wild to see. Um, his sister is leaving for college and she's like, don't, you know, I care about you. Don't do anything stupid. And he's like, well, I'm going to do something stupid. And she's like, don't do any. I care about you. Don't, don't be terrible to yourself because I love you. And he's like, well, I'm going to. And he's just like a real kind of dick about it. You know, he just, he doesn't care about himself whatsoever. He makes a lot of poor decisions. Like giving a child a tattoo. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Um, and so his sister leaves for college and he's still like, he just, kind of deals drugs with his friends he works which one of his friends is played by lou wilson from like dropout stuff which is i i saw in the i didn't realize it was him and then i saw in the credits lou wilson i'm like surely not the same lou yeah the same lou wilson um (laughs) but uh he he uh, oh so he gives this kid he starts giving a kid a tattoo on the beach and the kid's like ow stop so he he runs home and tells his father. His father shows up at Scott's house and is like, "You're to to Scott's mother. Your your fucking son started to give my child a tattoo. What the fuck's wrong with him?" And like freaks out, which is fair. Um, and then he comes back later and he apologizes for for freaking out like that because he was like really aggressive. And then he ends up asking Scott's mother on a date, who's played by Marissa Tomei. Um, and they end up in a relationship together, and uh, that gives his mother, Scott's mother, the um the pressure to like kick scott out um and scott has to, like he ends up like having he he walks um his mother's new boyfriend's kids to school and he ends up like building kind of this relationship with the kids that's very sweet um and eventually he gets kicked out and ha- and goes to live at the firehouse where his dad used to work along with his mother's new boyfriend and several of the other firefighters and starts like learning to forge better relationships with stuff it's it's a it's a dark comedy it's not um it's not a i don't think it's sad it is sad but it's not like it doesn't have like a downer ending or anything it's just kind of um it's dark it's funny it's like heartwarming in a way um but the feelings about it are pretty complex uh i thought it was pretty good i probably don't need to watch it ever again um but it was like it was a solid movie, I would say. It did need to be shorter. And this is just a problem with Judd Apatow movies in general. They go on too long. Like they go on like twenty minutes too long where I'm like, okay, we didn't need all of that. Um This is a this is a movie about a guy who sucks, if you're into that. If you like if you just like a movie about a man who sucks, King of Staten Island will do that for you. Um he maybe sucked a bit too much for me. Just just a little just a little too much. Um, but overall, an enjoyable movie. Again, probably won't need to watch it again. Um, I think, again, it was semi-autobiographical. So, like, Pete, you could tell it was Pete Davidson. You know what I mean? He was not disappearing into yeah. the role. Similar to um, to Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. He's not disappearing into the role or anything. Um, 
so like it's kind of hard to be like his acting was great because in this one he's playing like a, a semi-autobiographical version of himself and in bodies 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 he's kind of playing an extrapolated version of who people think he is um but at the same time i think there was nuance to his performance that was really effective where you can like you can really see through the shell that's constructed that like scott is constructing around himself is just as like there's a there's a scene very early in the movie, like it's like the second scene of the movie where he has a tattoo of the date his father died on his arm. And this girl asks him, what's your tattoo for? And he's like, he's like, oh, it's the date my dad died. And she's like, she's like, oh, how'd your dad die? And everybody's like, you can't ask that. You can't ask that. And and then he like, they like start laughing. And they're like, no, it's fine. He doesn't care at all. And then they start making jokes about his dad being dead. And he's laughing, but you can see like how miserable he is. And there's there's like parts of that to the movie where you can see like how much of Scott is a constructed character and like how much is really happening in his mind behind that. So it was a it was an effective movie. It was too long in the Judd Apatow way where I was like, you can you could cut some of that. That didn't need to be that long. (laughs) Um, But overall, if you like Judd Apatow movies, if you like Pete Davidson, if you like a dark comedy, if you like a dude who fucking sucks. Um, there's stuff to enjoy in King of Staten Island. Okay, I have some answers. I have Thank multiple you. answers. Okay. If I wanted to, I, 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 if I wanted to re-watch a fun romance that I would probably love, Blank Space. Oh, yeah, Just yeah. an absolute... That would be part, fun. A Blank Space would be fucking amazing. I think the story that... I think if I wanted to watch something that was more like thought provoking and like made me think and like question who's the bad guy here, it would be the three, the story that she has in uh, folklore of the, of the, the tri- love triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's really interesting. And then if I wanted to watch a really sad, <laughs> a really sad, but still like good in the end movie, it would be champagne problems. Mm. And then if I wanted to watch the most corny of corny, it would be, um, lover, but I, like the whole album, but I would say there are some, arguments that that's actually like a really sad album and i think that that's interesting too Mm. but i think that if i I want to see the part based on me (laughs) well i i mean i could probably spin a story for you (laughs) but i think blank space would be at the top of like it's the most fun it it would be the rom-com i would want to watch yeah like a person who believes in love and the other person doesn't and they're wild and then suddenly they're in love and like like they crash a car what if ready or not was a love story yeah (laughs) kind of like kind of i mean bad blood um so i um i think that 1989 if you were choosing albums 1989 would make the most fun Mm -hmm. uh lover would make the corniest and folklore would make the most like thought-provoking might win an oscar Mm -hmm. but i would want to watch the blank space one a, a folklore film by Focus Features circa 2006. That sounds great. That would slap. That would. Or it would be Garden State, where everybody loved it in the moment and now hates it. Yeah, yeah, probably. But if I had to choose one, it would be Blank Space. Yeah. I think uh, that's a good idea. I, I just call. think it would be fun. I, I think it's something that, the and I know you agree, like this, her ability to play with her, not bad reputation, but like this, like... Well, her reputation's never been worse. So you mislike me for me. And it's true. Um, <laughs> right now, it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and the call is coming from within the house. Not to discourse. The ha- call is coming from within the house. Um, anyways, I think that it's fun the way that she talks about her relationships in it and how she's able to make fun of that and make fun of herself while still like calling out bad behavior. And I think that's interesting. The, the movie, the Taylor Swift movie I want is the one where she and Harry Styles ran over a person and killed them. Anyways, I watched Secrets of Hillsong. <laughs> we contain multitudes. Um, Secrets of Hillsong is another documentary. Uh, if you don't know what Hillsong is, it is a relatively recent mega church culty church that was very popular i think it's still relatively popular but it was very popular in the, within like the last five maybe almost 10 years with um celebrities and like mm-hmm. hip young people who is the one that chris pratt is part of yeah, right well it's it, people always name him but it's a lot chris pratt, pratt um the kardashians 
Oh, Selena the, Gomez. I didn't know the Kardashians were into it. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of celebrities. So, like, I hate Chris Pratt. He sucks. Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber's, like, best friends with the guy. Yeah. Um, he, Justin Bieber's kind of the Tom Cruise of yes Hillsong. yes absolutely um so like people dog on him um but at the same time a lot of celebrities went there like uh what's her name she was in high school musical and she's a hippie i have no idea she was in spring break i think she was vanessa hudgens. vanessa hudgens was going there so like it's not just it, she's and in the, sucker punch the thing is yes <laughs> the thing is is yes here i'll just talk about it. anyway so it's a mega church it started years and years ago in in australia this man i can't remember his name he's not worth remembering um mr hillsong mr hillsong no he's not mr hillsong he was like he wanted to be hip and cool and like he went to school like to the ministry school he went to school to be hip and cool i'm not gonna lie he might have (laughs) um and he ended up they're called planting planting churches um in new york and like what he was really gung-ho if you know anything about mars hill it's kind of like a a mars hill success story but not as bad as mars hill personally not not yoga yoga summons demons no i don't yeah it's not that it's more of this looks like a progressive church and it's not right um so he plants a church in new york and then he has one in in um in LA and all these other places and he's able to make some connections with really famous people and they start bringing people in and he's like he's wearing his pants really 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 low shirtless going out with uh have you seen that no I'll find it um going out with like Justin Bieber um I'll look it up later anyways um and my my takeaway was eventually he they find out he's having an affair and that he possibly had multiple affairs and he gets kicked out of the church and the church kind of goes downhill from there. Um, and then the elder pastors or whatever are like, um, we're going to go on without you. And it never really was the same. But what I thought was interesting is, yes, this man seemed pretty terrible. And yes, he was tr- clearly trying to like be famous and he did it. And yes, the church, what, and, uh, it was a Pentecostal church, I think, underneath it all. And so... It was a gay marriage is not right. All those, all those things that are like reasons why you don't go to church. But he didn't really teach those things, at least the way that they presented it. He may have, but so one of the things that made me feel this way of like, he was running this church in these places, but he probably didn't seem to care about people who were gay as much as other, other people in the church who are maybe higher up. There was this one person, he went on Survivor and he said, Hey, yeah, that's it. You could see his vagina bones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, I'm so sorry if you're not familiar with that joke. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> it's, it's true. So uh, there's a person. <laughs> I'm so sorry for invoking vagina bones. <laughs> Just leave it at that. That's all I have to say. I'm so sorry for invoking <laughs> vagina bones. Um, a person was going on to Survivor and he was gay and he had a partner and I think he was going on with his partner and he said, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm going on survivor but i don't want to hide who i am which means i'm going off my partner but i also want to talk about the church because it's a really big part of who i am and the guy that we saw with his vagina bone (laughs) was like absolutely you should be who you are spread the word of our church 100 percent. well he did that and then he got kicked out of the church by other people Mm. so i feel that what i got from this is like he's not a good guy in that like he cheated on his wife but i think he was it's like i think he had like an addiction to type of like a specific type i wouldn't say he had a sex addiction but i think he had an addiction to a specific type of um attention like validation yeah like validation and things like that and there were some other things going on what i thought that was the most interesting of this was this man who is held up as the worst person at least in a lot of things maybe not everything when really i don't think he was as bad as like it may seem i think the people he was following were bad people Mm -hmm. but i think he just wanted to find a place where he could preach what he wanted look really cool because he probably got made fun of when he was a kid Mm -hmm. and um enjoy the people around him and create this mega church as well these are not these are not good things like this is not that's right. not a good thing this is this not the, <laughs> this is not a defense no, no no this is not a good thing this church was not great but 
I do think there's something to be said that he was not the one saying you can't be gay. Mm-hmm. There was some instances, not with him specifically, but I believe it might have been his wife, but it was one of the wives called out this girl because she said it was uh, during when like Black Lives Matter was getting really popular. She's like, you're all very white and something needs to change. And she was not complaining, but she was having a conversation with other people about this. Someone told the higher ups and she got kicked out of the church and basically was told, if you don't get off the premises, we'll call the cops, which is like the worst thing to do to like a black person yeah. who's trying to call out your whiteness. So there was a lot of stuff like that that is way, way worse and something to really, really interrogate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it seems like one of those things where when you understand the basis of how this church works with like that kind of veneer of progressive values, you yes. can see how so many celebrities get involved in it because celeb, uh, like Hollywood and, and associated industries have kind of a veneer of progressiveness. But when you get, I mean, you have stuff like the number of celebrities supporting Rich Caruso in LA, where he's like a Democrat in name, but in practice he's a republican like the the like crackdown on like affordability and that kind of stuff like you could see you could see how this would catch on when you understand that veneer of progressiveness that hollywood has Mm -hmm. and it's very like white progressiveness so people end up in churches like this where it feels validating and good but then you also have you're like no 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 see it's not like it's not like that. It's not like that. It's, but it is like that. Yeah. There was, that's why it reminds me of, of Mars Hill. Yeah. It reminds me of the, like, I didn't go to church until this because this feels different. Right. Because it doesn't feel like I'm going and having to listen to a sermon this boring. Right. So some, some other celebrities that went, um, this is a list that I just quickly Googled. Vanessa Hudgens, uh, Austin Butler, Nick Jonas, Bono, Kevin Durant, Tyson Chandler, Ky- Kyrie Irving, and Haley Steinfeld. Mm. And then and the Kardashians and stuff like that. So like a lot of people went there and mm-hmm. I get it because I think it was the progress, exactly what you were saying. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a way to embrace that part of you without going to a church that maybe it's either boring or you don't necessarily agree with everything and then as a celebrity you have to be seen at a church where maybe they don't you don't agree with gay marriage they don't agree with gay marriage but you do so i ultimately it was not that um it is still a mega church and there are no good mega churches sorry i'm just sorry i i i don't really mean to offend anybody but there's something ethically inherently wrong with mega churches Mm -hmm. um so also they were making shit tons of money. They wouldn't help people. They were using volunteers in New York, which means people were putting their lives into this and not getting paid in New York. Mm-hmm. How did they live? Like literally, how would they live? Um, so, but it was, it was really interesting. And I thought what I came away with is this, um, what I thought was interesting is this man who made a lot of big mistakes and he's not necessarily a good person, but he does get blamed for a lot of the things that are not him mm-hmm. so it was really good i liked it nice um the last thing i have i didn't like um i watched john wick four with my husband last night i have not seen all i've seen parts of one of them i really haven't seen any did you talk about the new evil dead oh i didn't talk about because i didn't finish it oh because i couldn't because it was too scary i see it was too spooky i couldn't do it i went to sleep <laughs> uh i got on my phone and went to sleep uh there's that's me talking about it um anyways I watched John Wick 4. My husband was really excited. He got it as soon as he could. I knew it was an action movie, but boy, howdy, did I not know it was an action 24-7 movie. <laughs> like, it it started out really interesting because it was beautiful. The cinematography mm-hmm. was gorgeous. They, the way they used colors and, like, visually. And I and I sat there and I'm like, it's, like I really was like, if you told me this was, like, a magical realism story, I would 100% believe you. Especially when people are dying, but they're not dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. And just, like, the different ways in which they use symbols and stuff. And, like, there's a guy that has a journal. And, like, that could be a spell book and all this stuff. And I thought that was really interesting, but it wasn't enough to keep me engaged. Yeah. Um, it was so much fighting. And I just didn't care. And it was three fucking hours. Did your husband like it? He loved it. I think it's, so. If you like John Wick, you'll yeah. like it. It's. I feel like this franchise is one of those. It's just. It's just not for me. It has officially all of them made over a billion dollars. Like they're making another one. If you're if you're the target audience for this movie, it's for you. It's gonna fucking hit. 
for me, I like the first one. I liked the first half, and then I got bored. I was just like, okay, that's enough. I need something else to be exactly, happening. exactly. That's how I felt. It was because I didn't wasn't there was really no plot, but um, there is, but there isn't. Uh, I, well, yeah, that's how the fr- the first yeah. one is just like his, he wants to get out of he wants revenge. Yeah, and that like that's it. And, and now he fine. wants out. Yeah. Um, but it was beautiful. Like mm-hmm. it was gorgeous to watch. They're well made movies. Yeah, it was it was really pretty to watch and they were like using swords and like nunchuck and like that was really cool. But yeah. then they just started using lots of guns. And that's not that fun after yeah. a while. Personally. I need more to keep me engaged. Yeah. Through through an action. They killed well, I don't know if they didn't kill, but they stopped following one of the cool girls who was really cool at fighting and she was interesting to watch fight if i'm gonna watch fighting i want it to be interesting and just wasn't for me and i can't i can't stress how much action there was i can't <laughs> it's non-stop stra- it is truly non-stop like there's this scene though at the end i did watch this where he has to get up these stairs and he's just bruised and battered and he takes so long to get up those stairs just to be pushed the fuck back down the stairs. so i need to watch that scene and it's actually pretty funny. I'm gonna be like, oh. it is actually pretty funny. He he needs to get up these stairs for whatever reason, and he's just bruised and battered and on his deathbed. I'm gonna be swooning. He finally, fucking gets up there, and someone just kicks him back down. <laughs> it I'm is gonna be pretty swooning. Funny. Uh, but if, but I was watching it, and like the guy who plays Mr. Wednesday from American Gods is in this, so maybe this Ian is McShane. why. Yeah, if really, if you would have told me this was out of American Gods, I would have believed you. Specifically the beginning, because the colors. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like there's clearly some magic happening here. Not because like people are living. There's not magic happening. But like the reason I feel that way is not because people are living after falling out of two-story buildings. Sort of like a heightened reality. Yeah, it just like the whole hotel that these assassins live in kind of feels like it could easily be like magical assassins right um it sounds i haven't seen it but it sounds almost like like kill bill or something the level of like heightened i haven't seen kill bill oh you haven't Mm-mm. oh um well that's sort of like comic booky heightened reality yeah. like it doesn't it's not supposed to be realistic it's supposed to be extremely stylized and like like as cool as possible. Yeah. Well, and like the when I say like magic, I don't mean like spells necessarily right. like with a wand. I mean magic like Constantine is magic. That's the right. easiest because it's counter I like I like I mean like you need a book. You need to. At one point, they do speak Latin. Like they're, they're it sounds like they're <laughs> saying a, like a spell. Like you need all this. I wonder stuff. how you would feel about Kill Bill. I, I'm I don't know. I'll, I'll watch it. I'm willing to watch it. We should put that on our list. I we think should. that would be an interesting one to talk about. There's yeah. a lot to discuss, as with any Quentin Tarantino yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't think we've ever done a Quentin Tarantino film. We have not. I'm pretty positive we have not. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, this when I say magic, I mean more like you need 700 talismans to do this, and like. You have to have learned the rough it thing about this is it sounds dope, and I'm it does. Not, I'm not gonna like it. I know I won't. And like, like there's just so many things where I'm like that would like there's this one part where they're they're doing a duel, but to decide the duel, they have these cards in front of them, and they like like one says. I want to use knives. And the other one says, like, I want to use guns. And then they flip over these cards and whoever has higher ones. But the cards are gorgeous and they're glass. <laughs> and they're, like, intricate. Like, it's almost like a tarot card. Sick. It's beautiful. And I'm like, and this is when the guy's speaking Latin. Amazing. And so I'm like, I feel like if that's what this was, sick. Yeah. Because uh, the fighting would be more interesting. Right. Um, so I, it's like one of those things where I, I really, but that didn't keep me engaged enough. It kind of, these movies remind me a bit of music videos. Like, yeah. it was gorgeous in terms of like, it's not about the story or the characters. It's about this like harmony of visual and some other kind of spectacle in a music video. It's like the mixture of music and visuals in this. I think it's like choreography and visuals. Um, because the, I think the appreciation for John Wick is as much like the visual itself as like the intricacy to, these are the cards. Oh, that's really cool. The intricacy to which it's choreographed because like the fight choreography in John Wick is incredible. Like it's legitimately really incredible. And a lot of action films use like quick cuts and that kind of thing. And I don't think John Wick does that. It, It has like, from what I remember of the first one, at least long takes with yes. intricate choreography. And that's impressive. Like yeah. it's, it's really, really cool. I just, 
I'm not the target audience for it. I didn't notice this in the movie, but this this article I pulled up shows it. The the cards also have like art on them. Like he pulls one and it has the head of Goliath. Oh wow. Yeah. So like this would be really cool if it did that, but there it wasn't that. They're well made movies that just They're well made for what art they, for us. The cinematographer did Shape of Water and something else. Yeah. Like it was beautiful. And I, I think the director is also doing Rainbow Six, which is my husband's favorite video it's game. So funny. And he's so excited for it. Um, but it wasn't for me. I feel I haven't seen the other John Wick movies, but I'm imagining if you like them, you're like this. It was three fucking hours, though. <laughs> three hours. You know how long the Taylor Swift concert is? Three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> so jo- there's two kinds of people in the world. There's John Wick people and Taylor Swift people. I'm actually neither. <laughs> you mean you're going. I th- yeah. And you like a couple of her albums. Yeah. But you'll be entertained during Taylor Swift. I like Swift. two and a half. The, oh, you, you know, know what? Like I could f- of Evermore. It just doesn't grab me as much. I love Evermore. I don't hate it. It just it didn't grab me as much as Folklore did. I think um, I think that actually Taylor Swift concerts and John Wick have a lot in common, and that both are about the visual spectacle. I would a hundred percent. And and the thing is, is that the Taylor Swift one is for me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would a hundred percent agree with that. One hundred percent, especially like everything that's not to get off a tangent. Everything that's happening on this tour, the Ares tour, is really wild. But if you go watch the stuff that she did during the Reputation tour even more she was fucking writing a snake skeleton <laughs> across the crowd she's always doing the most and she like made the i think it was uh i did some no it wasn't i did something like that and she made one of them into like a metal song oh my god like it's just wild um and that's for me so um you have anything else to say uh so that's it for this episode you can find us online at fakeeatgirlscast.com which has all of our previous episodes um <laughs> Thank you to Emily Jude. I've set my cat is snoring so loud. Like it would boggle your mind how loud she's snoring she's right now. She's tiny. She's so small. Um, but the sound coming out of her is so big. Uh, thank you to Emily June for helping with our episode transcriptions. If you like this episode, uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. A small donation gets you cut material. Um, $5 a month gets you advanced access to our outlines. Um, and, Someday we're going to do Spicy Book Club again. Yeah. Uh, next, I haven't really been reading much, so. Yeah. Next time we are going to be talking about Spice World. Yeah. And then. Let's talk about feminism, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have some spicy questions for that one. I'm really excited. Like, can a Tory be a feminist? A Tory? Yeah. Oh. The British I political party. I need to know. I don't know much about it. It's, so. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it looks like we're going to be doing Interview with the Vampire, which will be the movie, the TV show, and the book. I better start reading the book now. Yeah, it's pretty long. It's pretty long. It's pretty yeah, long. I'm going to put it on my Libby right now. Um, so that's it. Catch on the flip side. <laughs>